Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. It was 17 long years later, and that was one of the cases that Demetrius Kendrick brought up when she said, you know, if they can solve that case and it's 17 years old, my son's case will be solved too. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. This past March, community members marched up Houston Avenue in Macon, Georgia, to a convenience store parking lot, to the spot where, one year earlier, 24-year-old LaTerry Kendrick was shot and killed. It's a case that, now a little over a year later, is still unsolved. March 25th marked one year since Demetrius Kendrick lost her son, LaTerry Kendrick. He was shot and killed in the parking lot of a convenience store on Houston Avenue. It still hurts every day. But I just wish somebody would say something. Somebody knows something. Kayla Solomon joins us from WMAZ in Macon, Georgia. Kayla, can I have you start by telling me about this portrait or this mural that Demetrius Kendrick had painted in her living room? Yeah, so to start, um, thank you for having me first off. Demetrius Kendrick is the mother of LaTerry Kendrick. Um, he was a 24-year-old that was shot and killed last March, uh, so March 2020, and he was her only son. So after he died, she actually decided to ask um, a family member to paint a mural of him, and it sits in her living room. My stepbrother is an artist, and he's from Columbus, and he just came over. He said, I'm going to paint your son on the wall. And I said, go for it. And that's my piece every day. But yeah, she got it done um, last summer, and she's had it up there ever since. It's the smile for me. <laughs> so who was LaTerry Kendrick? What else can you tell me about this young man's life leading up to the spring of 2020? Right. So according to his family, he was just one of those very reliable people in their lives. Um, He would drop whatever he was doing to go help a family member or a good friend, any loved one in his life. He also had a young son. This is his six-year-old son. And him and his son, they're like best friends. He's very caring, loving, supportive. He's an angel. He's a very good man. His son's going to turn out to be just like him. So from what I've heard from family and everything, he was just one of those, um, he was just the kind of person that wanted to make a better life um, for his son, you know, do right by his family and, you know, just a great person in general, an important piece of their family. Which of course makes what happened last spring all the more tragic. Walk me through then what all you've learned about What happened on March 25th, 2020? So what we know from the Bibb County Sheriff's Office out here is around 6 p.m. on that date, LaTerry Kendrick was in a parking lot of a convenience store over on Houston Avenue out here and was shot and killed. 
Um, they tried questioning witnesses at the scene. They tried gathering whatever evidence they could, but since then they've had no luck finding any suspects. Normally they're pretty good about sending us, you know, a be on the lookout press release or some type of suspect release. And they've had no luck in this case, even finding, you know, persons of interest. Of course, they have questioned people in the case, but no arrests have been made officially. And at this point, it's been over a year. I know the big challenge here is that we really don't have a lot of information about the suspect. Do we know, did they leave on foot or in a vehicle, anything like that? That's information that um, we haven't gotten from the sheriff's office. Um, So there's not much there. You know, we literally just have the information about a shooting and we're not completely sure if the person was on foot and ran off or if the person was a car. So we're not sure at this point. And you've since talked to Letary's mother a couple times. Uh, and I know one of the things you talked about with her was what it was like that day to get the news that something had happened to her son. And it sounds like it was kind of a confusing series of events and it's really you know, difficult and emotional to hear her talk about it. What did she say about what it was like to get that call and to slowly realize what was going on? So I first interviewed um, LaTerry's mother in July of last year. At this point, it had only been a couple of months. And as I mentioned before, there were still no answers in the case. Um, but she had come to the station and said she wanted to, you know, try to get her face out there, try to appeal to the public to try to get any information if they had any And when I first spoke to her and I asked her about that day, she immediately described it as the worst day of her life. Um, She had just gotten a call that he was shot and didn't know if he was alive or not. And it wasn't until she got to the hospital that she found out that he had passed away. So she, when I spoke to her again, she also replayed that day again and you know she said it's something that she thinks about all the time just getting the call and getting to the scene and not knowing you know what was happening at the time just remember getting a lot of phone calls while i was riding trying to hurry up and get to the medical center i really didn't know what was going on at the moment but once i got there my cousin and his best friend filled me in on what was going on And you mentioned that the investigation hasn't really led anywhere, that that police haven't shared much information. But what about in your conversations with Letary's family? Have they offered any theories or, or anything about what they think might have happened? Who could have wanted to harm Letary? No, I mean, they know just about as much as the Bibb Sheriff's Office does. Um, you know, they are asking the same question. You know, they don't know who it could have been. They don't know any type of motive. Um, so they very, they're still very much so in the dark as well. And I think, you know, the sheriff's office, um, just a couple of weeks before the anniversary. So earlier in March this past year, they tried posting another social media, um, post on their Facebook page, asking the public for any information and asking anyone to come forward with that information. And from what I know, they haven't, even when they put up that post again, they had no luck. So it sounds like everyone, you know, there's still an investigator that's actively working on the case, but it seems like they're sort of at a standstill at this point. Something else that Letary's mother brought up when you spoke to her last summer is 
gun violence and the number of homicides in Macon more broadly. Can you speak a little bit about that, this sort of broader picture that Letary's killing is now a part of? In 2020, in the entire year, Macon Bibb County had 51 homicides. And considering that Letary was killed in March, he was still one of the first homicide cases that we saw throughout the year. And I know when we spoke to Sheriff David Davis um, on New Year's Eve, he mentioned that they solved 32 of the 51 homicides last year. So Letary is part of that, you know, 19 that still has been unsolved and it's been over a year at this point. So I think that's what makes this um, even more head scratching. You know, the fact that no one has come forward, no one has said anything about it. And Letary's mom also mentioned that the gun violence in general just has to stop. And she was saying, you know, you never think it's going to hit your family until it does. And that's one of the biggest points that she wanted to push um, in the two times that I've interviewed her. Right. And those 19 unsolved cases, that's not just a number. There are families grieving, families who want answers. And as we just passed now the one-year anniversary in LaTerry Kendrick's case, I can't imagine the frustration for his family of still not having those answers a full year later. I just want to add, even though there is a sense of frustration, um, she still has so much hope that there will be justice in this case. Um, she mentioned that the investigator in the case um, still reaches out to her regularly and checks in and lets her know um, any updates if they have any, or you know, just saying that they're still waiting to get any information. So even though there is frustration, um, she's still very much so keeping the hope up, and she's still very, um, you know kind of feels like she'll be at peace once an arrest is actually made. But at this point, she's still very hopeful. And I think that's what's important in this case. Right. I was going to say that's that's one of the things that struck me was that hope that she, you know, refuses to give up. And she actually specifically pointed to a much older cold case in the area. Can you tell me about that other case and why it's giving her hope? Yes. So back in March of 2004, there was a Macon pastor who was shot and killed at his home. His name was Michael Glover. And for a long time, it was considered a cold case. No arrests have been made, nothing of the sort. So um, there was an arrest made and it was 17 long years later. And that was one of the cases that Demetrius Kendrick brought up what she said, you know, if they can solve that case and it's 17 years old, my son's case will be solved too. They can find, if they can solve a murder that far along, this one will be solved. I trust in God, this one will be solved. So I think that's important to remember that even though a lot of these cases are unsolved at this point, there are still investigators that are going back and checking in on evidence and sending stuff off to the DNA labs. So, you know, even though it's considered a cold case now, it might not stay that way. And as we did just pass the anniversary of Letary's murder, how did his family and others in the community mark that date and, and try to make a point of sharing his story and, and making sure that, that it's not forgotten? Yes. So on the day of the actual anniversary, which was March 25th, um, a group of about 30 people, it was family, it was friends, loved ones, they marched up Houston Avenue to the um, convenience store parking lot where he was shot and killed. 
And I remember when I asked the mother about it, she mentioned that it was so powerful to see that bigger group of people show up because originally she thought it was just going to be her and a couple other family members. Um, but when it ended up being over 30 people, she was overwhelmed with just the amount of love that people still had, you know, people still a year later hadn't forgotten her son and who he was and how he was killed. We'll be hoping for some answers in the near future. Kayla Solomon with WMAZ in Macon, Georgia. You'll have to keep us posted. Thanks, Kayla. We appreciate it. I will. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with five episodes every single week, Monday through Friday. And if you're looking for more true crime after that, you can find all of our other shows at vaultstudios.com. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Volt Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.